1: Now here's your host, Mike Carlin.
0: Hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Josh Winning. Josh is the author of the critically acclaimed The Shadow Glass. He is a senior film writer at Radio Times, has written for Total Film for over a decade, and is the co-host of the movie podcast, Torn Stubs. I remember getting Torn Stubs during Uh. his years as a uh, film journalist. He has been on set with Kermit the Frog. Hi to you, folks. And Miss Piggy. I won't do my Miss Piggy accent. He devoured breakfast with zombies and The Walking Dead and sat on the Iron Throne on the Dublin set of Game of Thrones. Josh lives in London with his cat Penny and dreams of one day convincing Sigourney Weaver to yell goddammit at him. And that is something that I'm going to dig into at some point during our conversation, Josh. But he joins me today to talk about his latest book, Burn the Negative. Welcome to Unquirking Story, Josh. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to have you here, Josh. Uh, but I have to know as we begin, uh, where does your story as an author begin?
2: I think that I've had a lot of stops and starts. I think there are many beginnings to my sort of like writing story. Um, I suppose, like professionally, I would say my journey began when I got my first job as a, a film journalist. Um, so I, I kind of I wanted to write books and stories for as long as I can remember. And when I discovered just how difficult it is to actually get your foot in your door in the door, um, one of my very amazing lecturers at university said to me, "Well, have you ever thought about journalism?" And I hadn't thought about journalism at all. Um, but when I discovered you could actually be a film journalist, that suddenly became a very attractive prospect to me. So from there, I went to do a um, postgraduate. A course in journalism, and that led me into writing for for various um, film publications.
0: All right, so it started started with movies, started with film. Were you were you a, a big movie buff growing up as a kid? Did you like going to movies?
2: Oh yeah, hugely. Yeah, I can still remember the the wooden cabinet in the corner of our living room where my dad kept all of our DVDs. So not DVDs, VHS. That's how far back it goes. <laughs> there were no DVDs in that cupboard. Uh, full of videos, he you know taped movies off TV. So many films I discovered um, through rooting through this sort of like magical box in the corner and finding things called Star Wars and Terminator. Handily, the labels didn't mention anything about sequels or subtitles, so I actually watched Terminator two before I watched Terminator. I watched The Empire Strikes Back before I watched A New Hope. Um, but yeah, films films very much a part of my upbringing um i don't really know i think my dad my dad is very into into film and watching new things discovering new things to watch um but i don't feel like he ever sort of you know strong-armed me into uh sort of being a movie fan it just sort of seemed to happen
0: do you remember the first movie you ever saw in a movie theater do you remember what it may have been
2: my my earliest memory is uh jurassic park in 1993 okay. and i can't i'm sure that i was taken to cinema long before then i would have been almost 10 uh, when i went to see jurassic park in the theater and um so yeah i would have been before but I, I just have a real strong memory of being in the back row of our tiny little local independent cinema in my hometown in suffolk in the east of england and just being completely blown away by this film being terrified of that moment where the t-rex attacks uh you know the kids in the in the car um and then after that i remember seeing independence day and being similarly blown away that was obviously a few years later but yeah very very strong happy memories of, of being in a movie theater
0: my my first movie not that you asked was uh <laughs> no, please do <laughs> what i remember and we're, we're i'm a little older than you Star Trek, the motion picture. I remember going with my my friends, Mario and Armando Turco uh, and their dad with, with my brother, Jim. We yeah. we were growing, growing up in Florida and I'd never been to the movies before. And I thought, first of all, I thought, wow, I thought I was in a spaceship because I didn't know nothing from Star Trek. Like I wasn't, you know, I was a little kid. I was probably about five or six years old, maybe. And I just remember this movie being one of the most boring things I'd ever seen. In my, like it was just, Star Trek, the motion picture is not a fast paced movie. <laughs> it's, it's there's a bald woman in it. Like I, I was all confused, but it, it didn't, you know, it didn't scare me from going back to the movies. What did scare me? I remember being a kid and seeing the previews for the movie, The Shining with the blood coming out of the elevators. And that scared the hell out. Of me. I never wanted to go to the movies again after I saw
2: the preview for that because <laughs> it
0: scared me so much.
2: Yeah, I never saw that. I wasn't born when that came in. That in the so <laughs> I in not right. say the mouse So that's one of the ones I discovered on VHS. But yeah, I can imagine seeing that the first time as a kid, which is yeah. yeah, pretty traumatizing.
0: And I think the standards were different. Like you would never show, like if you went to go to a Disney movie today, right, you would not see a preview for a movie like The Shining. I don't think those standards existed in the, in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Like it was like, yeah. you got what you got. Um, Yeah.
2: Well, that's kind of why we end up getting all the um, the video nasties. I think that was more of a UK thing, maybe than a US thing, where the the advent of home entertainment is what brought in this classification system. I think, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) And uh, that kind of that's why a lot of films like The Exorcist, um, and Evil Dead, and things like that ended up banned because suddenly I think, I think Mary Whitehouse she was very much about think about the children and that sudden the floodgates of people are actually going to watch this stuff and maybe we should think about regulating who gets to see appropriate age material uh, yeah so you clearly like swept under the, the uh snuck under the the radar there
0: we did and then now I, I look back at the shining it's uh i mean i, I love the book more but the, that that movie with jack nicholson and Shelley duvall is fantastic i mean it's a great oh yeah great piece of cinema but Man, it scared me when I was... I needed to see it when I was a little older. <laughs> yeah. Six or seven years old while I'm waiting for the return of Maxwell Smart to start was not, was not, yeah. not what I was going for. But um, yeah, let's talk about uh, Burn the Negative. What, what can you share with us about Burn the Negative?
2: It's my first adult horror novel. Uh, it was published this week, um, depending on when this goes out. But it's it's about... The the former child star of a cursed 90s horror film called The Guest House, uh, as a grown-up, she has left that life behind. She's got a new name. She's got a new sort of image. She's now working as a journalist in the UK. Um, and when she gets sent to Los Angeles to report on a streaming horror series that's in the works at Universal Studios, she discovers it's actually a remake of the cursed film that she starred in as a child and when she arrives all hell breaks loose interesting so that this this
0: takes me back to um stories that i used to hear growing up so you mentioned the exorcist there there are all sorts of rumors that you know that set was cursed you know funny things happening on set but then there was this other you know the, the poltergeist film series um you know, was considered cursed as well because you had uh, the older daughter who was um, Dominic Um, Dunn's daughter, I believe. Right. Um, She 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 died, you know, under mysterious circumstances. Heather O'Rourke, the little girl who went inside the TV, uh, you know, they're here. Um, You know, she she died very young. So that movie was considered cursed as well. You know, where did you draw on the um, did you draw on those as inspiration for, for this or?
2: Um, I tried not to draw sort of specifically on certain properties. Um, partly because I, I feel like my own relationship with the idea of a movie curse is quite um sort of conflicted. You know, I, I think that we find those stories really fascinating and and sort of ghoulish in a campfire kind of way. But then you also then remember, oh, these were real people, they really died, horrific things happened. And so I kind of As I was writing Burn the Negative, I was really wrestling with this idea of what is it to be interested in cursed movies? What makes a movie seemingly cursed? And how do we really feel about those those films? Like, do the stories in some way add to the experience of watching those films? You know, you watch them with this sort of dual sense of the horror that you see on screen, but then also the horror of the reality that happened behind the scenes. And it, it creates this really interesting experience, I think. Um, so so I didn't draw specifically on those those films, but I definitely um sort of played around with imagery that might be familiar to to fans of those films. So there is a little girl in Burn the Negative who has sort of blonde hair. She's not Carolyn, but she might sort of um give you the feeling of of remembering watching poltergeist, maybe, and that that kind of vibe um so yeah it, it's it's kind of a mix i would say you know
0: it, it strikes me you mentioned your your lead character she she grows up she changes her name she kind of distances herself from you know the the film industry and i'm curious you know there there's obviously she she was part of a famous you know horror movie but but the real horrors in harry and Hollywood. In Hollywood, you know, may, may not necessarily be the scares that we think of. Like, I, I lived in outside of L.A. For, for a while, and I have a sense of what that culture is like. The, um, the real scariness, I think, of that town isn't necessarily blood and guts, is it?
2: Yeah, I kind of agree. I think that it's, it's obviously got the, the, the allure and the glitz and the glamour, but there are also stories about what does happen behind closed doors, And even not necessarily behind closed doors. You know, there's stories about people just not being very nice, you know, people on power trips treating people really appallingly. Um, and yeah, so I I kind of I touch on that briefly in Burn the Negative, but I didn't want to get too dark. You know, this is a horror book, but I wanted it to be sort of like a fun horror, you know, more of like a a popcorn horror rather than a, a real. Let's drill deeply down into the psychological traumas of Hollywood. You know, I, I wanted to keep it um, as light as you can when you're talking about people who are dying from a curse.
0: Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, so how is it making the the leap from journalism to writing longer form content? I mean, this is your this is your second novel, right? um what 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 is it like making that leap but you know a lot of people who listen to the show are aspiring authors themselves so just paint a picture for us about sort of making that leap from from journalism to to being a novelist
2: i think it was more of a leap going from being a a novelist to a a journalist and then in you know in some ways because I, i was always writing books growing up you know some of my first um books in inverted commas were when I was, you know, seven or eight years old, I would get them. My dad's a teacher, and I would go into school with him, and I would get them bound using this this binding system that they had in his school. So, I've always had books. I've always written books, and journalism was sort of like my my way of being able to make a living writing, doing what I loved, um, when it's you know famously difficult to get into um, books, and. They, they ended up actually really complementing each other. You know? So I, I feel like if I hadn't chosen to become a journalist, if I had just been like, I'm going to be an author, I'm only going to write books, I just don't think I would be sitting here today. I don't think I would have acquired the necessary skills um, to become uh, an author as well. So, so with journalism, it, it's, I always say this, but it's, I think it's worth repeating. Like, with journalism, it's very much sort of every word has to earn its place on the page. Because you are literally being paid per word. So it really hones in you, keeping it lean, keeping it tight, saying what you mean, really figuring out how to best express what you're trying to convey through writing. And I think that when I started with the Shadow Glass, my first novel, it just sort of seemed to just click then, that idea of of um, this isn't any different to writing a film review or a film article it just happens to be slightly longer um that's like a very oversimplistic way of looking at it because clearly books have themes and characters and um all sorts of things going on but i think the essence of journalism is hugely transferable to to being an author definitely
0: Mm -hmm. um what have you learned about yourself kind of going through the the writing process now you, you kind of again second published novel Um, Yeah, any big insights into into yourself having gone through this process a few times
2: well that's another thing that I think I get from journalism is that when you're so writing for a magazine like Total Film you're not writing in first person you're not saying I love this film I gave it five stars you're talking about it as a collective you're saying you know we're a little disappointed in this that and the other or whatever so I think that 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 sort of um, collective I've Approach to creating something has really benefited me in in books, and I can't think. You know, there, there are there are things in Burn the Negative and in Shadow Glass that I would never have um, come up with on my own. In terms of, you know, you've got a team around you. You've got people who are often a lot smarter than you are, looking at your story from a fresh perspective and really helping you to draw out. Um, Certain aspects of the story that maybe you haven't developed um, effectively enough yet, and I fully embrace that. I, I, I that's why I love the acknowledgements section in the in the back of any book that I read because it really does take a village. It's such a cliche, but there are so many amazingly talented, hardworking people who you don't necessarily get to hear about. They don't have their name on the cover of the book, but they're sort of integral to the creation of this thing that you've put out in the world. So that's, I think that's the big thing is collaboration. It's just key for me.
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's this misconception among many, you know, readers that, you know, the author is just, you know, a person who works in isolation. They go into a, a cabin in the woods and, you know, six months, a year later, they've got a manuscript and then all of a sudden it, it gets out into the world, not realizing how many hands and, and sets of eyeballs see it, touch it, provide feedback on it. And, you know, you mentioned the word collaborative, you know, writing is a very collaborative process when it's done well, you know, it's not, it's not this, this cabin in the woods, um, thing. Oh, that would be Uh, awful. (laughs) That would be awful. Right. Cause you know,
2: that would be a horror story.
0: We might, you know, I think Stephen King wrote on, uh, with, uh, what was it? Misery, right. Where the guys in in the woods and, but, um. Oh, very cool. One one way I'd like to always finish our our conversations here on uncorking story is just to to get to know my guests a little bit more through pop culture, and we kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier. But I'm curious, when you were growing up, um, what
2: were some of your favorite movies
0: and TV shows when you were a kid?
2: Oh, like I grew up in the 80s and early 90s, so uh, I'm all about that amazing period when everything was sort of colorful and exciting and very fantasy driven. I think. I grew up with TV shows like Thundercats and uh, Masters of the Universe and She-Ra, um, all those kind of fantastic shows. Uh, Thundercats in particular, I just absolutely adore. It's so visually interesting, such great characters, such great stories. My dad always said to me that um, you know they're simple stories told well, which I think is such an art to be able yeah. to concisely tell a story. Um, and in terms of films, I was just big on the '80s fantasy. I was all over *Labyrinth*, *Neverending Story*, *The Dark Crystal*, uh, *The Care Bears Movie*. Even you know all of those supposedly children's films, but they have such a vein of darkness running through them. And I think they're the films that really turned me into a, a horror lover. They were like my gateway drug to films like *Scream* and. Urban Legend and Candyman, all those great '90s films. Oh yeah, um, I,
0: the um, the uh, which one was it? Labyrinth or Dark Crystal that had David Bowie in it? Oh, that was Labyrinth. That was Labyrinth. And I remember he had some weird song and dance sequence in the middle of it with a baby. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that
2: was yeah, that he was throws the baby up <laughs> in, and... in the air. Yeah, <laughs> it was a. Tad... He's great in it.
0: Oh, he's great, but that was a little that was a little cringy. I have to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a little cringy.
2: What are you talking about? <laughs> so,
0: you mentioned I have to go back to Thundercats because this is the second time. So, I asked this question of every author, and only two out of 280 have mentioned Thundercats. Um, so, Whoa. Which is, you know, I, but I'm wondering, like, why haven't we seen um, a full length, you know, live action Thundercats movie yet? We've got the technology. Um, why not? Why? Why? Why have we not seen Liono weed wielding the the sword of
2: Thundera, giving him yeah. sight
0: beyond sight? Like why? Why haven't we seen that yet?
2: It. it you're, yeah. I might. It boggles the mind. Where is it? What's happening? I know that there are lots of people who have tried, um, and there was that amazing fan made trailer, you know, years ago now. I'm going to say 15 years ago, where you had like Vin Diesel as Panthro. Um, where someone had taken clips from other films and and sort of CGI'd them to make them into Thundercats trailer. So yeah, I would absolutely love to see that. But I think, um, not to make it all about my books, but the reason I wrote the Shadow Glass is that nobody is making those films really. You know, like we're getting sort of big CGI blockbusters, and you know I love Avatar as much as the next person, but I really miss that art of. The you know the puppetry and the the storytelling that like I said is just sort of like it's got that darkness it's got that weirdness and I think that these films cost a lot of money you know the, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars which as the, as the average human being you just can't fathom how much money that is and so because Hollywood has to spend money to has to yeah spend money to make money. They've got to know that they've kind of got a sure hit on their hands. And maybe things like Thundercats are just a little bit too weird, which is why we all loved it, to actually get that, the big budget that it demands.
0: Well, If you look at Generation X, I don't know how many millions of us there are in the U.S. I'll throw out the number 70 million people. Um, yeah. I think you can make your $250 million <laughs> back. Uh, my, my brother and I alone will probably see it 10 times. So, <laughs> yeah. and and I will show, you know, I will spot you Vin Diesel as Panthro. If I could get Jennifer Lawrence as Chitara, that's, um, that's, that's what I would put out there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Andy Serkis as Mumra, I would watch it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Who would be lion you know, like who would?
0: You know, that's a big one. I, I was thinking maybe a, a Bradley Cooper, but he might be a little too uh, too much on the mature side now for that. But yeah, who? Maybe it someone up and like,
2: coming. It could have been a Hemsworth at some point, maybe like a, mm-hmm. a Hemsworth.
0: Yeah, but the, one of the younger ones, right? One of the yeah uh, the younger ones. Um, but you know, they might be thinking, hey, you know, we tried this with Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren and Frank, Frank Langella in in the eighties, and and that was probably. You want to talk about burning negatives? I mean, they, they should just they should just put that away and never find it. Oh no! I mean, if so aliens, that, well, that
2: was one of my favorites. Was it really?
0: Was it really? Yeah, oh, that movie was not good. It was uh, not good. I, you know, it was again,
2: so transparent that it was a Star Wars cash in. You know, <laughs> bless it.
0: Um, how about music? What did you like listening to growing up?
2: Oh, completely! Um, completely a Britpop kind of kid, you know, like Oasis um, and Blur and Pulp, British bands. Obviously, the Spice Girls. Obviously, Madonna. Um, you know, all those, those fun, fun bubblegum pop and a bit of Britpop mixed in as well. I would say, um, like music, I think is such. It's so obvious to say, but it's just so powerfully emot- emotive. And it's something that I rely on as a writer to sort of, if I'm really struggling to write a scene, I I I have a playlist for every book that I can throw on that kind of helps me get into that scene. Um, None of it has Madonna in yet, but maybe one day. (laughs)
0: There's there's still time. There's still time. time. (laughs) Um, And and last but not least, if you could, um, if you can go back in time and and give your younger self some words of advice you know i like to call this you know dear younger me if you could dear younger me yourself josh what would you tell your younger self
2: oh boy that is uh that's the big one
0: <laughs> what would i say i think
2: i think i would probably just sort of say be patient i think that as a young person i was just so um, desperate to to always Get ahead, get to the next thing. You know, um, you know. I, I want. I spent so long wanting to be a writer, trying to be a writer, and it was sort of I wasn't ready. You know, and and that's fine. And, and when I was ready, that's when things started to happen. So I think patience definitely is a big thing that I would say to myself.
0: Learn patience. That's what. Yeah. Uh, that's what uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda were talking about. Um, you know, he will learn patience. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the Sigourney Weaver yelling "God damn it" at you. What what's <laughs> that? All, what's that all about?
2: Well, she says hey. it in pretty much every single film that she does, and I just love it. I just love the I love the passion behind it. You know, it's funny, but it's but it's also sort of like quite aggressive and frustrated. And I just love her. I think she's just fantastic. It's just something about her. She was. Uh, somebody I must have seen in Ghostbusters as a kid. And then a TV station over here in the UK played the first three Alien films, one a night um, when I was maybe 15, 14. And I'd never seen them before. I stayed up late to watch them live on TV and I was blown away. I fell in love with Ripley. I thought she was the coolest character. And it's just sort of created this sort of lifelong love of... Of Siggy Weave, as I like to call him. <laughs> Weave. There
0: Siggy Weave. Very Weave. Yeah. Well, uh, Josh, for people who are falling in love with you right now, where, where can they uh, look you up on social media? Do you have, uh, are you active anywhere on social? You want to share any of those handles?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at Josh Winning. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Joshua Winning. And then if you're still on Facebook, I'm facebook.com forward slash Josh Winning author.
0: There you go. I'll put those all in the show notes so people can uh, get to you easily. Josh, uh, thank you so much for stopping by Uncorking a Story and letting me uncork yours.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story.